2: Wherever you are, welcome to our episode of Sheologians, We're here today to put the her in her."
1: Oh, are we? I had a feeling that might have been what we were putting the whatever it was in.
2: So obvious. Yeah, it was just mm-hmm. really obvious. Although it, it sometimes it hurts my feelings. Wow, that's a really interesting way to start. <laughs> when people will message,
1: isn't or... that the start of most podcasts? <laughs> so my feelings
2: really hurt. <laughs> And for the next five years, we're going to discuss it. <laughs> Hit like and subscribe. <laughs> I mean it in the most lighthearted way possible, but sometimes people will message or they'll comment on an episode and they'll be like, you should have done this for the she or the her. And it was like very obvious. Right. And They're right. Here's the thing. Everyone who's messaged me that or commented that has been correct. Like I really should right. have done that one. Um, So with this one, I have no idea what you're about to say, but I saw the image. Right. (laughs) Because we plan our episodes months in advance anyway. Right. And uh, I was like, well, that's the obvious one. And I don't need anybody messaging me and commenting and being like, Summer, some her. Why didn't you (laughs) (laughs) do it right? Yeah. yeah, Do your job right.
1: This is just that was just the the thing that needed to happen before this.
2: And we've come up with our second podcast we're starting, which is my feelings were hurt. And then, <laughs> um, yeah. So, hey, my name should is... have no
1: problem filling that <laughs> if for some reason right. we find ourselves at a loss, we could just access one of the access other billions that. of people on the planet. Yeah.
2: Someone else invited us, uh, to start a podcast with them about just true crime. Just, I mean, yeah,
1: man, I get that. Yeah. Like from
2: a Christian worldview and I was like, you know what? I have my hands completely full with theologians and my feelings are hurt. So I do
1: think that for anyone listening, um, if you have any lawyer lawyer friends that oh, would yeah. wanna I would love that come on the show, I do think we would be interested in Yes uh talking mm-hmm. with a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe like it maybe it would be helpful to specify like a criminal <laughs> lawyer. <laughs> And not like a tax lawyer or anything <laughs> like that. Unless you know, I don't know. But yeah, you can send the, uh, you can send those recommendations via voicemail you to sure us can. at four zero. What? You don't know it either? Great. As I normally do, but it's because I was confident that I.
2: <laughs> Never be confident. Four six five. No. It does not start with a four. Four seven zero.
1: I always say 470. 470 465 0475. Okay, so really just all out of order is how (laughs) I got (laughs) it. Which, incidentally, (laughs) order is the most important part of a phone number.
2: (laughs) Incidentally, you had everything but the part that you must have to reach
1: anyone (laughs) very poignant (laughs) that'll be all for the day
2: (laughs) well my name is summer yeager i'm here with my beautiful co-host
1: joy i really got who just (laughs) basically well now what i'm realizing is like i just (laughs) i feel the need to say the voicemail number one more time because i believe we kind of just gave them like a bunch of numbers all at once yeah, and by the time true. they figured out what was going on they're like oh wait, oh, wait what is it now on. though
2: honestly i am willing to bet ten dollars that they our know audience it. knows I the know number it. better than we do no four six five zero four seven
1: five nailed it that's the place
2: nailed it that's where you can leave your thinky thoughts um I I have a conundrum maybe the audience can help me with before we get started, which is um at the conference in September. Uh, everywhere I go, I carry a large water bottle very large now uh-huh. I've actually upgraded. yeah, my large it's bigger than it was before. It's a half gallon. It's a hydro jug. You guys have seen them. I feel like everybody's seen them. Mm-hmm. they're they're large. Yeah. and so my question is can I put it comes with a strap? <laughs> so you can wear it like a like a fashion accessory like a yeah it's like a large bag and so that you only
1: put water in that you
2: which is honestly my favorite kind of bag right my favorite thing not enough bags just holding water right um, so my question is: Would it be appropriate to just put the strap on it because it comes with a large strap?
1: It has a little pocket on the side, so it's it basically a, a purse. It has two pockets. It's basically a purse that you can't keep anything in, but you can keep it on the side. Can I? Would it be
2: appropriate to just walk around the conference? I think you should just do it wearing my water.
1: I'm gonna have an IV. <laughs>
0: perfect
2: <laughs> so if you can't spot us <laughs> look for the rolling saline trip. yes yes do let's join Ooh, all right we're so ready for this conference um anyway in case you're wondering it's the uh politics of sex conference fight laugh feast conference i don't what is this conference called it's the cross pol. it has all the names uh it's happening in yeah. nashville man, yeah
1: man pretty much anyone you'd want to september
2: hear. yeah 9th through the 11th outside of nashville we'll be there you can find all that information on the internet <laughs> why can i never remember it's like fight laugh feast Definitely. no it's cross ah <laughs> Oh, man. I never remember this. FLF Network. Oh, I'm so sorry, Cross Politic. They're like, why did we invite you? <laughs> uh, FLF Network. FLF st- stands for Fight, Laugh, Feast. FLFnetwork.com. That's where you can get all the information for that. And we will be there. My really cringy headshot is just sitting right there on that page. So Cool. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I got na- That's I the nothing. kind
1: of stuff that happens when you, uh, speak at things and, yeah. Like, go to anything in an official capacity. You have to have things like headshots just lying around. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, I do because, uh,
2: of a photographer friend. Otherwise, I would be like, here's my. Facebook profile which is me and joy at my birthday party because I haven't changed it in five years right yep
1: which is really the wonderful thing about pictures from five years ago is that they uh, happened five years ago
2: yeah anyway but- yep that's it that's what I got oh uh, you can hit us up support us patreon.com slash sheologians that's also where we do book club it is accessible at any time that's convenient for you and that's it i'm ready for this story time i'm ready for whatever's about to
1: happen man you guys buckle (laughs) up if you feel like we've been acting a little weird it's because this i poured a lot in blood sweat and tears into this since you just said something that
2: tipped me off to something funny that i wanted to tell you but i forgot about (laughs) okay which is, uh, you said buckle up. Uh-huh. Um, I also, like Jeff, Jeffrey Durbin, mm-hmm. had a seatbelt belt at one point. Oh, yeah. In my life, but also, uh, my 11 year old daughter came across a photo of me eighth or ninth grade, and I had a really horrible haircut that I thought was just fantastic. Oh, super cool. I and it was, it. it was cool back then. Um, Mm, so wait, you said nine or? I think I was in ninth grade. Okay. Um, I had like a. Mm, this is so embarrassing.
1: Let's just. Is it more embarrassing than wanting the same hair as Trinity from The Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> but having none of the things required to actually achieve
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead. It is. Yeah. <laughs> oh no.
2: It is. Um. So I'm I had feeling better
1: about myself now. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I dyed my hair dark. Uh huh. And then, uh, I dyed a strip of blonde. Oh. Oh. In the front, because I had rogue, I had a like job. Rogue. You know, mm-hmm. I had a job, and I had money, so I dyed my hair in the bathroom. <laughs> and, wow. And anyway, she was like. <gasps> That is so cool. Would Ooh. you let me do that? And I, I was in a in that
1: position where I'm like, no, <laughs> no, because I did it and, and realized it was a horrible idea. I need you to
2: learn from my. But anyway, all that to say, all the really like kind of stupid trends that were cool when we were in junior high, uh, early high school, are coming back oh, around. Yeah, yeah.
1: I've which noticed that. is
2: just blowing my mind, and I'm not a fan. And um. I'm just not a fan. Anyway, I had a seatbelt belt. I know.
1: Some of it is just, it's like, wow. Yeah. We... She, saw, <laughs> she saw
2: another picture of me where I had taken a belt, uh, like a fabric belt, and I had like cut it up and turned it into a necklace. Like, what was I doing? I was just, <laughs> before, before kids were on social media. We were just like in our rooms, like repurposing clothing items into other clothing items. Oh. And uh oh my gosh. she was like, Oh, that's really cute. And I was just like, No, you can't look you can't look at this anymore. <laughs> anyway, okay. Seatbelt belt, embarrassing.
1: Right. Buckle up, everybody. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Close
2: your seatbelt belts.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> All right. My eyes. What's wrong with my eyes? <laughs> <laughs> They're watering in case that sounded a little too histrionic <laughs> for some of you.
2: <laughs> Someone's Googling I, like, histrionic got some, right now.
1: You know, like when you're, my eyes were, we were laughing super hard, which I'm sure annoyed some people, but then, <laughs> <laughs> then like some of my moisturizer I put on this morning, like got Went, in yeah, and then it just, yeah. So anyway, that's what I meant by that. Been there. Okay. <coughs> Take a sip of water. I got my half gallon but here. Let, yeah, that's that's about the amount of water <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> Great. Fill up your hydro jugs. Um. Okay. I'm okay. Mark it. I'm sorry. I have to wipe my. eyes. <laughs> I like can't.
2: Our first edit since 2017. (laughs) Oh.
1: a little red, but other than that, <laughs> is that better? I think we're
2: good. I've had that painful, like, makeup in my yeah, eyeball. It just, like,
1: won't come out. And usually it, I don't know, usually I feel like it resolves itself, but every once in a while it's always like, oh, man. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Obviously, <laughs> well, it's obvious to everyone uh, who we are talking about today. hmm. Um,. We're talking about Margaret Sanger. Uh, Most, if not nearly all, (laughs) of the information Mm -hmm. that I got came from George Grant's book, Killer Angel, a biography of Planned Parenthood's Margaret Sanger.
2: I have not read that, so I want to.
1: Yes, I absolutely recommend that all of you read it. Um, And that is going to be highly evident as I... Read large, large portions of it in this episode. Yeah. Um. But yeah, definitely recommend it. <clears throat> I really also, like it's a the quick read. Right. It looks short. But it's very f- super full of information. There may be a few things that you have to kind of look up the historical context of. Okay. But that's really the only catching up you have to do. Um, okay. Yeah. I well, you know, I took this. I ended up taking this episode incredibly seriously. Mm-hmm. So yesterday when I went to get all my notes together, I ended up completely rereading it and still managing wow. to make breakfast. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't read it in two hours, but right. I was able to read it in less than a day. Right. So, uh, not a, it's, it's, it's a very manageable size. So I absolutely recommend it. Um, Okay, Margaret Sanger, here yeah. we go. Uh, Margaret Higgins mm. was born September 14th, 1879, which is George's birthday. I was about to say. September 14th. I, I was like, I can't do that math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um, started
2: to, and then my brain mm, went, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Not happening.
1: Um, so she was born uh, September 14th in Corning, New York, to Irish Catholic immigrants. She was one of 11 children. There's that Irish Catholic thing. Right. Um, By her own admission, her years at home under her father, Michael, were joyless and filled with drudgery and fear. Michael was a self-appointed free-thinking intellectual who openly mocked religion, loudly embraced socialism he refused to provide for his family for like extended periods of time. Cool. Um, and he drank whenever he could. So mm. they were often poor, hungry, cold, abused, and just kind of isolated because they were all those other things. Right. Um, And her dad was boisterous and rebellious and radical. So that kind of like alienated them from anyone else. Um, And then her mother was a sick and frail woman, Mm. uh, which is sad. The only reason I could think of why something like that would be allowed to carry on
2: for as long as it did.
1: Right. Um, She did. uh, Margaret's mother did help her secretly get baptized and confirmed. um, And for a short period of time in her young teens, it appeared that she had like some religious devotion, but mm. uh, it was squashed by her father. And then especially after uh, her mother dar- died, Margaret fled to a college, uh Claverack college, but it's not really college. It's like a finishing school, like a boarding school. Did you
2: say Claverack?
1: Claverack.
2: Claverack. Mm-hmm. What is that? I don't know. It's a type of boarding school?
1: yeah it was just like okay so that was just the name of it i'm assuming that's the name of the whoever founded it or whatever got it um but uh her father's cynicism and bullying i guess Mm. uh plus freedom Mm. for the first time in her life Mm. drove her from away from any like religious pursuits um mm. shortly after arriving in fact she stopped nearly stopped attending class eschewed most schoolwork and abandoned the job she needed to pay for her tuition um but she did find a love of drinking mm. radicalism right. free love yeah um that kind of thing mm. and i uh i noted a, a quote from <clears throat> george grant the author of killer angel uh it is said that we become most like those whom we are bitter against
2: yeah it's like uh <laughs> her whole philosophy i just learned i learned about it because of what she experienced with her dad right like oh i get you right oh you're yeah. upset about your childhood yeah mm-hmm. got it yeah okay yeah. i see and where was this horrible. is going God. already it's horrible um, what damage a horrible oh, yeah. father can cause. It's basically, cause...
1: it's what, it's what everyone hinges on is wow. having a just father
0: mm. Um,
1: mm. man. But yeah, due to her erratic and irresponsible ha- behavior, she was forced to leave Claverack, So she didn't graduate high school and she soon found lodging with her sister uh, where she took up the post of a kindergarten teacher. mm. Interesting. So perfect. Okay. Since she didn't have any formal education, she was placed in a classroom of new immigrant students. She grew tight. So basically we're talking like an English speaking, like a non-English speaking class. Okay. But, and they're kindergartners, you know, so basically they're new to the country. Yeah. They don't speak English. Some of them don't even speak the same language. Right. Uh, and she quickly grew frustrated and tired of her position. So she quit. From there, be- she became a nurse trainee, uh, which is weird. But um, it was more, from what I gather, it was just more of like an apprentice. Like nursing was more of like an apprentice training type thing. Not like, or there may have been, it may have been, hmm. She was The un- bar was lower. Yeah. Yes. It was a different it was di- bar. It was a different time. Yeah. Um and yeah, I don't know like what the- she didn't ever do. She never made it to the point where she was basically like changing linens and right. stuff. She never made it really to anything medical. Right. But yeah, so she became nurse trainee. Um she hated nursing as much as she hated teaching. <laughs> So she quit before she completed her training. She's not Uh, into a whole lot, is she? No. Okay. Notable. (laughs) She would claim to be a nurse for the rest of her life. Right. Um, I knew that much. So uh, instead of worrying about finding employee at that point, she decided to marry a budding architect, William Sanger. So no, no longer Margaret Higgins, now officially Margaret Sanger. Uh, They met in 1900 and married shortly after an impressive, expensive courting. Um, Unfortunately... Margaret hated housekeeping, just like any I mean, other she kind liked of work.
2: Anything. That she's oh
1: yeah, saying. yeah. I will. T- I will definitely she address tried this, that. <laughs> hated it. Tried this. Yep. Hated it. Okay. Uh, her husband tried to please her with long vacations. <laughs> he hired maids, <laughs> um, all presents, the time. <laughs> and then he he like built them an enormous estate. You and know. she
2: still wasn't happy.
1: What? <laughs> um. Margaret was still unhappy, bored, and unfulfilled. So they had three children. Still bored. Grant. (laughs) Yep. Still bored. (laughs) Uh, Here, uh, the authors, uh, you know, I just, he just said things that a lot of, some of the stuff that I quote from the book will be him using her direct, directly quoted words. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they will just be Margaret Sanger's words. and Sometimes they are just George Grant's words. Yeah. Because he just had such a clever thing to say about it yeah anyway so after he so they had three children to which grant said raising children is not exactly a hobby to be taken on a whim by the discontented indeed that's yes very astute Uh (laughs) she convinced herself uh at that point that what would help her was an exciting return to manhattan Instead of living out in the country in her beautiful estate,
2: no one has ever moved to Manhattan for she fun before. She
1: wanted to move to New York City, <laughs> and you know what she did there? She went to the theater. No. She shopped. She ate at the nice good. restaurants. Yeah, and she drank a lot of champagne. And she still wasn't happy. Huh. Okay. I said, some things never change.
2: I feel like we've like we just been raised by oh, yeah it. like this is yes. what we do well, it's the bohemians that yeah. really
1: this is going to be get ready you guys not even just this episode but just get ready <laughs> to hear me talk about bohemians because <laughs> it's going to be a thing i can already tell it's like it's like bl- gripped in and legit we're it's not going to go anywhere i'm just going to keep talking about it <laughs> um okay so she you know fully manhattan back in this hustle and bustle and excitement of the city and would you believe that she quickly became bored?
2: <laughs> I Would you
1: believe that? I, I'm blown. My mind just blown straight off. Um Okay, so she she was becoming bored with this just sort of
0: Mhm. Pers- whatever like vanity elite, and like it was just
1: yeah, it was vanity. Like even she yep. She was aware mm-hmm. that drinking champagne at a trendy cafe with your shopping bags is not right. going to fulfill you in any sort of long-term it's fun once, kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, sh- there was a little surprise around the corner. Hmm. Uh, her husband, William, he returned to the city and that sort of rekindled his, his uh, interest and involvement in the socialist anarchist and com- communist meetings down in Greenwich village. Oh, so Greenwich village was speaking spot. of Bohemian. Yeah. It was that that's where that was taking place. That this Bohemian, this very like eccentric, intelligent, but like artistic, um, and just talking and waxing and, you know, and,
2: Everyone are the just
1: intellectuals. Got together in t- yes, yeah. the intelligentsia. Um, we aren't conventional. Right. We're bohemian. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Margaret, at first, she made fun of their idealism and thought everyone was full of hot air. She called some of them that directly. <laughs> but that changed when she met John Reed, who uh, was well known for... His Bolshevik propaganda.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh huh. Yep. This is my surprised face. Yes. <laughs>
1: um. So he had a way about him that made Margaret particularly interested, and not just that. I guess it made her going go from sort of thinking it was all just silly to mm-hmm. like becoming a soldier for the revolution. The revolution. Okay. Um, and Grant, the words he used to describe Margaret like I'm just going to tell you these words cause they're so helpful mm. as I read the rest of her story. Mm-hmm. But um, he described her as having a romantic extremism. Mm. Okay. So that is so the, th- and the things that really pulled her affections were that way too.
0: Mm.
1: Um, And it, beca- but with those t- like that's, he just articulated it romantic extremism and you'll like the more mm. of this i read the more you'll be like okay yeah seeing that seeing right. that um so she finally she finally found something that inspired her and she began to read for the first time in her life basically mm. um and the Sanger apartment became this hub for the restless revolutionaries of the time and then she she became a bohemian herself and like traded in that bougie life um though I think it's very interesting that both I feel like the the bourgeoisie and the bohemians both have they're both very indulgent yeah so even though they would Mm -hmm. oppose each other Mm -hmm. they're 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 so similar (laughs) just so self. I mean well it's what you know like even just like how George Grant saying like it it is that it is said that we become like those that we are bitter against right <laughs> right exactly um but anyway uh so uh okay da, 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 da. okay but um i guess just to be clear like as much as i am talking about like how this group of intellectual elite would kind of just pontificate and drink and eat together and stuff margaret was i mean margaret was invested she was radicalized Mm -hmm. she was right a soldier right um and uh, the quote i put here was every waking moment was dominated by thoughts of ushering the great utopia Mm -hmm. by whatever wrenching means might prove necessary violence, sabotage, assassination, subversion, insurrection, terror. These were all on the list of possibilities. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Whatever wrenching means might prove necessary. All right. So Margaret and William were happy rebels. Margaret joined the socialist party and hit the ground running. She volunteered her time she spoke she wrote for unions and the socialist party um and in case you're wondering what the socialist party was thinking at that time yeah, just allow me to quote eugene debs who ran for several times under the socialist party t- on the socialist party ticket mm-hmm. with scared. every drop of blood in my veins i despise their laws and i will find them i am going to speak to you as a socialist a revolutionist in a bolshevik and a bolshevist if you please the socialist party stands fearlessly and uncompromisingly for the overthrow of the labor robbing Ugh, This did not this did not go well. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no, there's a lot of typos in that sentence. Um capitalist system there's two more things but i don't want to misread them (laughs) basically he's talking about the overthrow Mm -hmm. of the labor robbing capitalist system okay so he believed that the blue collar were uh, oppressed victims of industry and the trusts of course um he and he decried the culture-wide atmosphere of intolerance injustice and greed of course does this sound familiar yes it
2: Tale as old as time. The still. social,
1: the socialist party, was the largest proponent for sexual freedom, birth control, and yeah. feminism in the history of the U.S. at the time. Yes, obviously. Margaret soon became Emma Goldman's disciple.
2: Mm.
1: Oh, yep, yep. Know her? Uh huh. Famous, right. famous, famous feminist. Um, famous mm-hmm. Russian revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Famous socialist um, and humanist. Mm-hmm. Um. And as we all know, uh, well, Grant defines uh, humanism as having the fantastic notions of self, the self-sufficiency and inherent goodness of man. Yep. The persistent hope of perfectibility and the relative, the relativity of all ethical mores. Yep. Though her conversation, uh, though her conversion, sorry, Mm -hmm. conversation because uh, it was indeed a conversion, and no joke, uh, that had, was the right word. Had initially pleased her husband, but things were going oh, did too it far. not go well? Yeah, mm. it went too far. Uh, the house was constantly a mess. Mm. More often than not, her mm-hmm. ch- their children would be with people who Completely were just not taking care of them. Yeah, uh-huh. she was rarely home. Um, she was a radical, and she kept company with. Dangerous insurrectionists right like people that were willing right to and she fit in with them kill yeah mm-hmm. uh and emma was a huge part yep of his concern um because it was really emma that mm-hmm. just fed inspired and fed the idea of the marriage bed being mm-hmm. this institution of christianized mm-hmm. capitalism oh emma
2: goldman was yeah. wicked. oh
1: yes yes yeah yeah And her participation in such things would make her a traitor to the cause. And I
2: just want to note that Emma Goldman would be one of the OG feminists that many, that you were taught in public school and many Christians will still say like, oh, those original feminists were nice Christian women. No. Like we're talking about. Emma no. yeah. she's one of the main ones Mm-mm. that people are talking yeah. about and you can only say that if you've never looked into her at all she despised yeah.
1: Christianity yeah she despised it she's not a Christian <laughs> okay um so yeah basically she said like I can't I can't mm-hmm. be I can't even appear to right. be like enslaved to the Christian marriage bed yep um and so, uh, obviously, William's feelings were hurt, and he was desperate. Yeah, to fix his marriage, mm-hmm. um, and he even was—he even was concerned about his wife's reputation. That was mm-hmm. a part of it too. He still he did it to preserve her reputation right. as well. Right. Um. But he arranged for a long vacation to Cape Cod. Mm. Um, that would. <laughs> basically last as long as it took emma goldman to leave new york (laughs) right yeah um so they went on a lovely vacation they spent a bunch of time uh it was great and she was temporarily distracted Mm. but she continued to make more and more of a name for herself just in social groups right um she even uh, garnered the attention of the president when she came back for her involvement in some sort of union strike in a weird way. They kind of, they were defeated a little bit by the um, like high level of acceptance of what they had done because mm-hmm. it was almost like they were accusing the government of uh sure. not they were accusing the government of being th- the enemy of their cause and then the government looked on what they did with favor and so it was kind of like the opposite effect of what they had hoped for right um but certainly that didn't stop no her, but of course not. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of a lot of her power was social and mm-hmm. she was very quick to associate with all the right elites and um Uh, A woman
2: wielding social power? What? I cannot. No.
1: (laughs) She spent an inordinate amount of time waxing on about whatever. I'm sure you can all imagine the scene. (laughs) I'm sure you can all imagine it.
2: Waxing on about whatever. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Really. Just (laughs) like there is a like and I've been this person. Yeah. I've been this person that's just like it's Mm -hmm. like dripping it's like okay you might be smart but like your smartness is dripping. Like that's how pleasant it is for, or to be around you. Right. <laughs> but if you get enough people doing that, they kind of all like doing it together anyway. They really do. Um which, you know, I mean, however I pa- I painted that scene, we're talking about the people that have a large uh, a large uh, they're very powerful. Right. They're a very powerful gr- and influential, influential group of yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so Okay. Margaret's favorite topic at these mm. parties was sex. I was, I knew this. Yeah. Her friend and host of these particular parties said It was as if she had been more or less arbitrarily chosen by the powers that be to voice a new gospel Mm. of not only sex knowledge Mm. in regard to conception, but sex knowledge in regard to copulation and its intrinsic importance. Mm. She was the first person I ever knew who was an openly ardent propagandist for the joys of the flesh. Hmm. Okay. As you can imagine, William is again concerned for his wife's reputation and their marriage, so he took his family to live in Paris. I don't know why you would take someone with these particular issues to Paris.
2: I feel like <laughs> if you wanted to exacerbate the issue, I don't you'd I mean, go to Paris. Bless,
1: bless William. I don't but... know what he was thinking. And it's possible that he knew more about living in the early 1900s than me. <laughs> but I'm almost positive. Doesn't totally. He went to the wrong Doesn't place. totally seem. <laughs> she, he was like. We need to get away honey. Where should we go? And she was like. I've heard that that Paris France is very tame. About these kinds of things you're worried about. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay that's not historically. There's no evidence <laughs> for that. But. I'm a woman so. <laughs> I'm allowed to say whatever consider I want. That. <laughs> um, so they enjoy. Uh, they enjoy Paris. But again, as Grant puts it, her romantic extremism mm. was only. Brought to life more. Right. In Paris. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. She because it's all just that bohemian like. Yeah. you know just sort of dabble and eat and walk around the city and no, that is like the yes. socialist oh, mecca that's where the original <laughs> bohemians were from so... okay um anyway yeah t- sorry he may have made the wrong decision there but i don't know if it would have helped honestly right um so she longed to go back to the united states but her husband refused so she left him there what yep she left oh, okay um Surprisingly enough, she did take her kids oh, with her. So when she returned to the United States, Sanger needed a way to support herself and her children. Mm-hmm. She decided to publish a newspaper called The Woman Rebel. The front cover was emblazoned with the slogan, no gods and no masters. She said it was a paper of militant thought. Mm. A few things she said during the wife, during the What am I? Okay. All right. My notes here. So a few things um, that she said, and I don't, in the woman rebel, marriage was a degenerate institution. Uh-huh. Um, Typical. Capitalism and indecent exploitation. Mm-hmm. Modesty was obscene prudery. Obscene what? Prudery. Prudery. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: Okay.
1: Rebel women claim the following rights. Oh. The right to be lazy, the right to be an unmarried mother, the right to destroy, and the right to love. Okay. Man, why is Margaret Sanger like all of us when we're 13 years old?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Great question. (laughs) Every rebellious (laughs) 13-year-old's dream coming
1: true except for soon when all of our 13 year olds will be well-behaved yeah christians yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so the paper uh, again more spelling errors in my notes so i apologize okay that one got a little far. So, uh, <laughs> you're not going to say it. Okay. Basically, no, no. I oh. just, I'm reading the sentence and it, like, it makes absolutely no sense, but I know what it says. Right. So, anyway, uh, the paper and the articles inside of it earned her three counts of something. Oh. Um, based off of, uh, they were in violation of some laws that basically were keeping, um, like, lewd material out of the mail it was like a post office thing yep um if convicted margaret could spend as much as five years in federal prison she was frightened so she obtained a fake passport dumped her kids with some friends and fled the country but not before writing one last pamphlet on contraception contraception to further uh enrage the powers that be naturally The pamphlet recommended things like, I'm sorry, I'm just going to, I'm about to say a word that's not the most pleasant word ever. Okay. Lysol douches.
2: Oh, yes. I read about that. Yes. Um, You know, all of her nurse training. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Really lent uh, quite a medical mind.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mercury elixirs. Mercury elixirs high doses of laxatives and herbal abortifacients. Wow. Wicked. Yeah. Just wicked. Just dangerous things that, uh, yeah, man, Mm -hmm. um, during her year spent as a fugitive in England, 1914, that's the time we're in now. Okay. Uh, she learned and became radicalized in the beliefs of Thomas Malthus. Uh huh. She considered his beliefs to be the ethical or altruistic component she was, usher, she was missing to usher in the new era of sexual liberation and the use of birth control. All right. Okay. I'm going to read you from She's the book. so pleasant. Okay. Okay. This is a direct, this is uh, directly from the book. First, I'm going to read for you basically a short little description of what Malthus believed. And then I'm going to read for you, a passage written by Margaret Sanger herself. Mm, Okay. So Malthus disciples and the Malthusians and the Neo Malthusians believed that if Western civilization were to survive the physically unfit, the materially poor and the spiritually diseased, the racially inferior and Mm. the mentally incompetent had to be, had to somehow be suppressed and isolated or even perhaps eliminated. Mm. Um, Gross. And while Malthus was forthright in recommending plague, pestilence, and pur- putrefaction, his disciples felt that the subtler and more scientific approaches of education, contraception, sterilization, and abortion were more practical and acceptable ways to ease the pressures mm. of the supposed overpopulation. Yeah. Mm. Not wrong. Mm. It is It is easier to say that, isn't it? Right. Okay, um, so then we have uh, uh, Malthusia- Malthusians uh, are inherently anti-charity mm-hmm. because it, like, does the opposite work of getting, getting rid, rid of. Getting rid of. Yeah. Yeah. Don't so help the poor. <laughs> here's Margaret. Here's good old Margaret. Mm. Even if we accept organized charity at its own valuation and grant it does the best its. can, the best it can it is exposed to a more profound criticism it reveals a fundamental and irremedial defect it's very success it's very efficiency it's very necessity to the social order are the most unanswerable indictment organized charity is the symptom of a malignant social disease Wow gross yep all right so in case in case you find it concerning uh, just know that Malthusians gave birth to eugenics. Yes, which was great for Margaret. What a match! Um, luckily for Margaret, out of the fifty states back home, had already established eugenic asylums, where they put people in asylums who were less desirable. The prestigious universities, including Harvard, Princeton, Columbia, and Stanford, all contained eugenics. Departments that were funded by Rockefeller Ford and Carnegie But it was scientific mm. So no one questioned it Science just follow the science Guys um, uh, All throughout So G.K. Chesterton Wrote uh, A book book responding to eugenics and pointed out all the problems with it. So he's heavily quoted in this book as well. Oh. But here's a GK Chesterton quote. Eugenics asserts that all men must be so stupid that they cannot manage their own affairs and also so clever that they can manage each other's.
2: Ooh, one, two, punch. Yeah. Thanks, GK. Yes, GK.
1: Her hideout in England also her afforded her the ability to expand her elite friend group. Of taking many of them as lovers, of course. Yeah. Specifically, Luck Ellis, the grandfather of the Bohemian sexual revolution, oh. author of over fifty obscene books and mm. a pervert. And pervert. He was also a follower of Francis Galton, the father of eugenic thought and cousin of Darwin. Mm. Margaret adored him, of course. Oh, naturally. Um, their according according to Doctor Grant, their relationship uh, in many ways are the are things. That are best left unexamined, mm. mostly because of the perversion. Mm. Right. <laughs> However, he was very helpful, uh, in my opinion. Uh, actually, he his contribution was the most most helpful, in my opinion. Okay. And basically, it was this: tone it down, mm. distance yourself from radicalism, mm. rehabilitate your image, mm. more socialism, less Malthusian eugenics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which she. This is also another reoccurring theme and she really had a hard time <laughs> holding back how she really felt. But, uh, she went back to America ready to covertly create a pure race from behind the protection of the socialist party upon her return. She rallied so much public support surrounding her cause that the authorities dropped the charges against her. Wow. Yep. And then she launched into a three month, uh, book, uh, book tour speaking engagement mm. where she went all over the nation. Mm. Um, she started a back alley birth control clinic mm-hmm. in a section of New York, mostly populated by immigrants. Obviously in 19. 196- I wonder why yep. she went there. Why? I yeah. can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 1916 and almost immediately went to jail, uh, after which she only went for 30 days. So she got out and she formed the birth control league, which had their own magazine called the birth control league review. Um, again, she took Ellis's tip to tone it down Gain more support. This will get you closer and closer to your goal. And it did. She thought, uh, though she was drawing criticism still, of course, she was gaining support from the intelligentsia who had the connection to far outpace any criticism. Uh, so da- donation soared. And the lineup in the birth control review improved to include names like H.G. Wells, Pearl mm. Buck. H.G. LS, Wells. Ellis, of course, yep. And uh, Harry oh. Emerson Fosdick. Um, by 1922 she was writing books winning legal battles holding international birth control conferences and had been on a global speaking tour wow okay um so she hosted so this is a this is a um a quote from an international neo-malthusian and birth control conference in new york that she spoke at Uh, the government of the united states deliberately encourages and even makes necessary by its laws the breeding with breakneck rapidity of idiots defectives diseased feeble-minded and criminal classes billions of dollars are expended by our state and federal governments and by private charities and philanthropies for the care the maintenance and the Perpetuation of these classes. Wow. Year by year, their numbers are mounting. Year by year, more money is expended mm. to maintain an increasing race of morons, which threatens the very foundation of our civilization.
2: An increasing race of morons? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: That moron was one of the nicer words she used. Wow. Okay, um, okay so in 1932... Margaret outlined her plan for peace, calling for coercive sterilization, mandatory segregation, and rehabilitative concentration camps for all, to quote her directly, dysgenic stock. In 1933, Ernst Rudin, Hitler's director of genetic sterilization, he also worked for the Nazi Society for Racial Hygiene, uh, wrote an article for the Birth Control Review. Um in nineteen thirty nine she created the Negro Project. Mm. Um mm. that one's gonna be really bad,
2: I have a feeling.
1: Yeah. Uh basically dang it, where's that? Uh oh. I already lost this spot. Lost it. Um but basically um Oh wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot my system here, but that paperclip fell out. Oh no, it's right here. Okay. Uh, so basically it was the Negro project was basically her project that said, we need to get black ministers to start saying this stuff Mm. so that black people will Mm. join our cause. And, um, Mm. uh, the most success, she said this, the most successful educational approach to the Negro, Margaret wrote sometime later, is through a religious appeal. We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. Wow.
2: So they, they really hated black people. Yes. Yes like hated
1: them. She didn't she didn't believe in charity, mm. but she believed in the extension of social programs to trick people into thinking mm. that she wasn't trying to exterminate them. Mm. But that's of course exactly what she was doing. Right. She was on an extermination, she yeah. was tour. Yeah, oh, like yes. world mm-hmm. tour. Yeah, and everyone was just like applauding her the whole way. So gross sometime after um she birthed her greatest creation a federation of feminists sex activists neo-malthusian societies groups leagues whatever they all fell together under one umbrella that would one day be called international Planned Parenthood Mm. um they had a they had um basically they by like Mm. pulling them all together under one heading, Mm. they could set like the standard standards and expectations for every single one of their international groups that was associated with them. Wow. Um, Some of the encouragements that they provided to all those associations were weighing the necessity of limiting freedom of choice Through the imposition of legal and economic reproductive incentives and disincentives, such sanctions might include the introduction of child tax, reduction or elimination of paid maternity leave and benefits, limitation or elimination of public financed medical care, scholarships, housing loans, and subsidies to family with more than the allowed number of children or even compulsory sterilizations and abortions. Wow. All right. They applauded the one-child per Fa- per family program mm, of in course. communist China. Mm-hmm. They pushed value-free sex education in America to great excess, success, mm-hmm. and excess. Uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, which included things like showing students commercially produced porn, no. discouraging parental authority and traditional values, and encouraging kids to act on their sexual desires. Wow that's disgusting yeah okay they said all right this this another one of their international recommendations that they made family planning associations and other non-government organizations should not use the absence of the law or the existence of an unfavorable law as an excuse for inaction action outside the law and even in violation of it is part of the process of stimulating change and all the tyrants jumped for joy
2: yeah okay tell me you hate people without telling me you hate people <laughs>
1: okay um what do i have here what do i have here what do i got going on oh yes okay so basically now i'm going to talk about planned parenthood a little bit um And just kind of bring all this together and then I'll finish Margaret's story. Okay. Um, I don't know how long I've been going, but just keep going. Hold on. Mm. (laughs) Okay. I don't know when I'm going to fit this in, in any sort of poignant way, Mm. but I did note that between 1973 and 2018, um, Planned Parenthood performed, over 61.8 million abortions just Planned Parenthood yeah that's just Planned Parenthood in the United States say that number again 61.8 million just Planned Parenthood just in the United United States.
2: States like I I can't even mentally process that that's yeah a generation of people gone yeah. Wow. And you said 2018.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that's not even the most recent. Right. Um, mm. I just want to go ahead and point this out. This is a quote. Virtually all of the organization's board members were eugenicists. Of course. Financing yeah. for the early projects from the opening of the first birth control centers or clinics to the publishing of revolutionary literature Came from eugenicists, the speakers of the conferences, the authors of the propaganda, and the providers of the services were almost, without exception, avid eugenicists. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went onto the Planned Parenthood website.
2: Oh, okay. I haven't done that in a while. Just in
1: there about section. Mm-hmm. And it just says, Planned Parenthood was founded over 100 years ago on the revolutionary idea that women have the right to access the information and care they need to live strong, healthy lives. Today, the Planned Parenthood Action Fund fights to protect that right, Hmm. often in the face of extreme politicians trying to take it away. They then launch, they barely mention Margaret, though a link on her name does take you to a abortion and birth control page, I guess in honor of all the noble work she did in that area. Mm. Um, The first woman they do talk about is their first. So after Margaret was the head of the foundation, there were some men that were the head. Yeah. So the next person on that, that very first about us page um, is their. So after Margaret, their first female head and also their first, uh, non-white mm. head. Okay. Which is so interesting yep. that they laud that mm. as in some sort of
2: sign of, yeah, anything, which meaningful. by the way,
1: Planned Parenthood will tell you that Margaret was influenced by the cultural jargon of her day. Right. right. But I hope I've made it clear that she wasn't right.
2: She's influenced the cultural <laughs> jargon of our day.
1: <laughs> right. And so then the, of course the message on their website uh, is join the fight. Oh yeah, I'm looking at the Planned Parenthood website right now. Join where they fight. implore you to do so. Yep, they say a bunch of things about equalities for all races, mm. which Margaret definitely would have disagreed with. Mm-hmm. Um, races, genders, faiths, backgrounds. Mm. Uh, it's deeply also it's also deeply inconsistent with their behaviors towards certain faiths, right, or anyone that disagrees with them. However, um, here's the spirit of Margaret Sanger. So right in the middle of the paragraph where it says "join the fight," the second paragraph down. It's in bold and it says, but one thing is certain we will never back down. And that's the spirit of Margaret Sanger. That was her contribution. Mm. Um, She wasn't just a radical. She was baptized and Mm -hmm. she was ready to die for her sacred beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was a soldier. Mm -hmm. She was like a revolutionary. She was willing. Yes. Yeah. Um, The only thing Mm. that Margaret Sanger loved the only thing she never grew tired of mm. was her rebellion against God. Right. It's the only thing she loved. And she was like, she was miserable before she found it. It's the only right. thing. Right. Um. I mean, some, some evil people also like dogs. Right. But <laughs> Margaret Sanger only right. loved her rebellion. This was, that's her, all this was she led for. Right. The only thing in the world that she led up for. Right. Was Acting mm-hmm. contrary to obedience. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so Planned Parenthood, whitewash as they may, carries a torch set on fire by a woman who only cared for herself, yep. hated her husband and children, rejoiced in licentiousness, and set her highly ambitious sights on the literal extermination of whoever she found to be undesirable. mm. Can you think of a better description of women in our culture today? Right. No. Mm
2: -mm. That's like their mother in the faith. Yeah. It's her new order. Yeah. Like
1: Mm -hmm. she was very successful. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So Margaret Sanger, much older with much success, Mm -hmm. um, was still very unsatisfied with her private life. Mm. Sex, drugs, elitism. They were not enough. Right. So she remarried a very rich man. Oh, she said at some point she would live to drain his bank account. Apparently, according to him, he said he opposed everything that Margaret stood for, but found her irresistible anyway. I needed to put that in there because uh, I don't want to hear that. I just don't want to hear that that from any of you guys. (laughs) Any of you dudes that are just know, just know, just know that this is what happens (laughs)
2: Like, what does that mean? What
1: do you mean? What do you mean? Um, Yeah. When you lack principles, you will marry someone that you fundamentally disagree with. I don't know. I just don't understand. Um, But that was kind of her. That was kind of her anyway. Like she was very irresistible. Right. Anyway, uh, she stipulated that she be free to come and go as she pleased in her marriage, in her prenup and continued her work associating with Nazi scientists in charge of race purification, smuggling diaphragms into the U S and garnering massive grants from the Rockefellers, Fords and melons. Wow. After the Holocaust, everyone felt much differently about all of this. <laughs> Do you believe that? No. Yeah. Once we actually saw, I don't actually right. believe that. Yeah. At least for a time. Everyone felt differently about this. Um, but here's the thing. Again. Again. Um, they did it again. They toned it down. Yeah. They rebranded. Mm-hmm. This is this is mm-hmm. the key mm-hmm. to to it all. Mm-hmm. This is the key to it all. Is to go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. They're not ready yet. Yep. We need more support. Mm-hmm. And then we can get closer and closer and closer. Mm-hmm. So they rebranded. So in 1942... Planned Parenthood.
2: Planned Everyone Parenthood. applauded.
1: Presidents, mm-hmm. celebrities, even Einstein.
2: So I actually remember the first time that I saw a Planned Parenthood because there was one not far from where I grew up uh-huh. and it was in the same little shopping center yeah. as the Arby's that we always oh, went okay. to. All right. And I remember Always driving, have to stop at Arby's yeah, for your When dad. you're with. James White. Uh, and I remember reading the sign and asking my dad, like, what does planned parenthood mean? Like, what is that? Right. I was like six or seven. And I remember being really confused by like, what on earth could they be selling right. with a name like that? Like, what are you, what do you mean planning parenthood? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a thing. Uh, and I remember my dad, I don't remember his explanation. I remember him telling me, it's a lie. Yeah, like, and that's all well, I remember. Here's I the so more little. honest
1: name for the Planned Parenthood: social planning.
2: <laughs> yeah, social planning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Social uh, planning. Assassins for hire. Yep. Mm-hmm. Social planning. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm.
1: Do you have a social? Uh, do you have a person, a group of people that you don't want around anymore? We'll help you with. We'll that. We'll plan to get rid of them. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh. Yeah, so basically after the Holocaust, mm-hmm. they had to change their name to Planned Parenthood and mm-hmm. change everything. Try to separate from right. that. so that they weren't mm-hmm. labeled or uh, associated mm-hmm. with eugenics, with any of that All Racism, that stuff that
2: everybody had just white supremacy. fought a world war over. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, everyone was just thrilled. Everyone was thrilled about Planned Parenthood. Um, And then uh, pretty amazingly, she even used her influence to gain that coveted IRS charitable tax exempt status um, that allows her, that allowed her and Planned Parenthood lots of freedoms Mm -hmm. that they don't deserve. Uh, Anyway, but well, maybe we do need a tax lawyer after all. Maybe, yeah. Is there there a tax lawyer? that (laughs) Maybe someone could describe what that's really about to us. Right. Um, Okay. My last reading. Okay, Uh, So basically Grant uh, has this to say about uh, sort of the how she set up Planned Parenthood for success. Mm -hmm. So um, the the fundraising apparatus that she set up and that she set in place has only grown in size and sophistication in the years since she died, which we will get there. It has garnered hundreds of celebrity endorsements. It has affiliated with every major national and international professional and educational association, even remotely related to Planned Parenthood's work. Mm-hmm. And it has tapped into the fiscal lifeblood of virtually every major charitable resource available. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, by 1949, she was drinking using drugs, Mm. uh, practicing the occult, up to general financial sketchiness. In parentheses, I put, sometimes she would flat out refuse to provide accurate financial information. Also, she embezzled money. It had reached the point that even Planned Parenthood could not ignore the serious and erratic Mm. uh, behavior that had just increased over time. Right, right. Um, they carefully and quietly asked that she step down. She would rejoin the organization a few times, only to be ushered to the door again. Mm-hmm. Um, and she died September 6, sixty six. And uh, mm. there isn't really much that I feel like I have to say about that, right? Because we all know how that went. And even though mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have sympathy for her per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, because before a holy god you know yep but I certainly understand uh it makes you understand the gravity
0: mm-hmm.
1: she basically like I said the only thing she ever loved mm. was right sin right she didn't love anything else she never she was miserable right until she discovered that she could mm-hmm. be she could just <laughs> right a just unfettered Mm-hmm. disobedience, you know. Mm-hmm. She was she didn't even know who she found herself when she realized that she could rebel against God. Right. So just the And that's what she did. What a legacy of mm-hmm. just vile. And just so you know, she's one of the only people on the planet that has a legacy like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. that we don't hate as a society. Right. Everyone else that shares her beliefs. Mhm. They're not heroes. Mm -hmm. Um, They're far from, far from it. Mm -hmm. Watched a documentary about some journalists trying to track down like the last of Hitler's descendants. Mm -hmm. Um, And they find them at the end of the documentary and they discover that the, I think there's like three people still alive. They're under a different last name, but they, and I don't know how I feel about this, but I just thought it was interesting. They, um, all three of them decided to not have children so that the line would die.
2: That's how cursed they feel.
1: Yeah. And that's how we think of the people that shared Hitler's name. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we have praise, immortalized. Yeah. Margaret Sanger as the patron saint. We do. Of abortion and birth control. Wow. And so she really, she is one of the most prolific Killers ever of all time. Um, and we celebrate her still. I mean, we don't, not on this podcast, right? But no, um, but the
2: our nation at large does,
1: yeah. And in, and it, one of our main, um, like just wow, that paragraph I read about how far, how infiltrated Planned Parenthood is into charitable organizations and right. educational edu- organizations, right? Um, she just has. She she did what she was trying to do. She did. She was very successful. I mean, it it. just—that's
2: girl power, right? Right, like Mm -hmm. that's the the dedication and the blood, sweat, and tears she put into what she put into has well, also
1: just drinking tons of champagne and sleeping with whoever she wanted.
2: Yeah, I mean, just wow! What a a far-reaching influence. And, you know, what if, like, if every, I firmly believe that if every Christian woman had the kind of zeal right for being a godly woman that she had for being an ungodly woman, like, the entire face of our planet would change. Right. And I'm, not that I'm blaming Christian women for the <laughs> state of the world, but just what, well, cause what crazy she power was, that
1: was. She was willing to she was willing to do things that like Christian women shouldn't do. Like you shouldn't break the law. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, her zeal went way, way too far, but it does. It makes you consider like what, uh, what one person can do. Yeah. It's what very can, they sobering. can accomplish?
2: Very, very sobering. Yeah. And what, like, what if we dug our heels in, Mm -hmm. the way that she did Mm -hmm. uh, and were like as stubborn for righteousness and, and dragging other people along like that, that she did have a social cause, but Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a social cause, right? Like the cause of Christ, the cause of the gospel, which changes everything. Yep. You know, what if we dug in like she did and had that power? Uh, And I like how she used media as mm-hmm. well very oh, yeah. smart she was willing to put things yep. in print she read that could put her in jail wrote,
1: yeah mm-hmm.
2: and we should too i mean what a what a worthier well like, and when cause she saw when she saw an have.
1: opponent she was like how do i get past that opponent right yeah yeah wow like how do i do that
2: did we mention that so you and i planned on doing to historical true crime yeah. episodes, and when you were thinking historical true crime, it's interesting that you came up with Margaret Sanger. Yeah,
1: I just thought like, well, I had thought about reading this book for an episode at some point, and I was just like, yeah, historical yeah. true crime, like she's killed.
2: Yeah, serial.
1: And there's always that. There's always just that extra interesting component of the person that kills without having to do actually yeah Mm yeah and just the engineering Mm -hmm. that goes into that and the type of person that it requires Mm -hmm. um but yeah well it required a person to planned parenthood doesn't just happen to kill people Mm -mm. planned parenthood was created by someone who was moted to literally exterminate right people right (laughs) that's why it was created right it was created for social control mm-hmm. and, and it's just so interesting too, that like everyone who would maybe align more with socialism now mm-hmm. doesn't realize that a huge part of its efficacy mm-hmm. means getting rid of people. Hating. I mean, hating yeah. people,
2: what? hating the image of God yeah. and wanting to destroy them yeah. for your own social
1: gain. Mm-hmm. Wow. So even though like, it's such a switch, it's just a bait and switch. Mm-hmm. It's like here are these. Uh, let me uh, tempt you with these social programs that will take care of you. But actually, I'm against charity, mm-hmm. and I think right. it furthers the problem. Right. Which means this is a weaponized kind of charity, right? That I'll use to destroy it's you. Poison. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, she was just wicked.
2: Well, that was sobering.
1: Yep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can leave us a voicemail. <laughs> At four seven oh. Unless you had other thoughts. No. Four six five zero four seven five. That's the true history of Margaret Sanger. Um, my definitely historical get- true crime next week is not like this.
1: It's very different. It's very different. I took on a large project. Would yeah. it surprise you to know that I would do such a thing? No, you but <laughs> But yeah, definitely get Killer Angel by George Grant. Yeah. Um, he's rewritten it a couple times. I have the 25th anniversary edition. So oh, wow, I, thi- okay. I actually think he re he like, he revised it fairly mm. recently, 2014. Yeah. So,
2: well, yeah. Learn how to, you can learn how to fight Margaret Sanger and abortion mm-hmm. And we gave you our will number and you can hit us up at patreon.com slash sheologians. <laughs>
1: You're like, what information comes after Margaret Sanger? Margaret Sanger.
2: Mm. All right, so anyway, we hope that you guys have a wonderful week. <laughs> this song is great and not sad at all. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs>